Hello again, everyone. Michael Vosbein doing dual duty with classic drummer and drummer nation. And it is my pleasure and distinct honor to have as my guest today, none other than Rick Allen from the classic band, Def Leppard, rock and roll hall of famer, humanitarian, you name it. You're such an impressive man. I'm genuinely honored to meet you, Rick. Oh, that's very cool, man. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm sure it won't be the first. <laughs> I hope to see you again in concert. I've seen you before as well. Um, cool. I'd like to touch on your art. I know that's why. Are you in Atlanta now, or where are you? No, I leave for I leave for Atlanta tomorrow. And okay. uh, you know, I normally I normally uh, try and hit you know as much press as I can. You know, morning shows that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's fun. I I love going to Atlanta. Well, we love having you here when you get here. Um, you're touring behind this time. It's not about music. It's your Wentworth Gallery tour based on your career as an artist. That's right. Yeah. Um, for the last uh, 10 or more years, um, you know, I've been I've been doing this. Um, I, I, I got a passion for it when I was a kid. And um, and then, you know, my grandfather, he got me my first camera. And then, of course, it's well documented. I joined Def Leppard around about my 15th birthday. And then when my youngest daughter was born, I started painting again with, with her. So, um, you know, it, it kind of reignited my passion. And uh, my wife encouraged me to show some of the pieces. And uh, the one behind me is the latest one. Beautiful, man. And we all miss Charlie Watts already. Oh, man, I know. I never had the opportunity to meet him, but what a classic gentleman. He was. I I was very honored. Uh, I got to meet him at a charity uh, do in London at the Royal Albert Hall, and he he was such a, just such a cool guy. I uh, you know just very um, quiet spoken, seemed very uh, you know very grounded, um, mm -hmm. you know more so than the rest of the band. <laughs> Who would have guessed that he would have been the first to pass from that band? Um, you know, uh, there is that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it's just such a shock. Really I, I, think, I think it's, it's the end of an era, you know, mm -hmm. um, no, somebody was saying the other day, you know, maybe the Beatles and, uh, and the stones should get together and then they can kind of make up the numbers, you know? <laughs> it's your big business i'm sure um, <laughs> let, let's speaking of of way back end of an era let's go back a little bit we're going to jump around between your life as an artist and and a musician humanitarian because they're all they're all they're all you um would you say it's just a different representation of energy uh maybe from sound to light i'd say i'd say so um it, I, th I think I think the net result is uh, for me anyway. It's uh, it's very therapeutic. Uh, not too many people know that I suffer um, with PTSD. Um, you know, from from going through extreme trauma, and um, yeah, I, I I just it is it's a it's a great way to stay in the moment. And whether that's music or whether that's art, I think that's where the therapeutic sort of element comes in is just being in that place where you're not thinking about what's for dinner or, you know, what you could have said better or done better. You, you, you're just in the moment. And I think that is the key to, uh, you know, sort of that, that setting up sort of a, a healing environment. 
Absolutely. That comes through in, in spades in your work. Um, going back to the beginning, you were a kid when you joined Def Leppard. You, you, you left high school to perform on the biggest stages in the world. It's true. How did that affect your personality being? I mean, we don't have a lot of drummers anymore who are celebrities. You are truly a celebrity, and you've been a celebrity since you were a boy. No, I know. Um, to be honest, I, I, I didn't really think about it in, in terms of this is really special or this is really cool. I mean, it was, but um, I was just doing what I really enjoyed doing, and that was, that was playing drums with a band. Um, you know, I'd been playing with local bands from the age of 10 and then, you know, becoming a member of Def Leppard was really, it was huge because, you know, this was, this was really the first band that I'd been with that wrote their own songs. And I think that took it to another level. Did you have any part of writing those songs or who wrote most of the songs? Um, well, um, all throughout our career. You know, we uh, we've written together, but, you know, obviously, you know, Joe being uh, the lyricist, you know, he tended to get, uh, you know, more credits than than, than most. But uh, but I, I think uh, I think generally it's been really a great opportunity for me. I've you know, I've been I've been involved in the writing of many uh, Dev Leopard songs. That's great. So I presume this is. None of my business. Do, do the band shares in the royalties. Yeah, we, we've all we've always done that. You know, that's terrific. It, uh, and it's all relative to um, you know how much work a person put into a, any given song. Mm -hmm. Well, that's equitable. So yeah. again, looking back, I don't want to dwell on this, but you went from the drummer's dream to the drummer's nightmare yeah. with your accident and losing an arm of all things for a drummer. Now, you were a celebrity, you were well off financially, you had made a contribution as a drummer. You could have rested on those laurels and moved on, but you chose a very difficult path, which was to reinvent yourself as a drummer, missing an arm. What, yeah, it was. Tell me about it, that. Yeah, it was horrible at first. Um, you know, when I finally came round out of my coma, um, uh, I think it was, must've been about a week or two after, uh, after my accident. Um, and when I started to realize what had actually happened to me, to be honest, I didn't really want to be here. Um, I was very self-conscious. I felt defeated, but I think the thing that lifted me was, uh, was my family and just hundreds of thousands of letters from, you know, everywhere and just people in general that, that lifted me up, um, you know, and I think it was at that point I discovered uh, the, the power of the human spirit. And, um, you know, I broke my right arm really badly. So I had this, uh, this piece of foam at the bottom of the bed. And my brother, he brought all the music that kind of inspired me growing up. And I realized that, you know, literally just using my right and left foot, I could play all the basic rhythms that I'd ever played. Um, and, and that was kind of the, the, the beginning. Um, uh, this friend of mine came in, he had an electronic store and uh, he saw what I was doing with my feet on this piece of foam. And he said, you know what? I could make you foot pedals and we could get you playing again. So um, the very first day that I came out of a uh, hospital, I went straight to his store, started playing uh, these pedals that he'd uh, that he'd 
you know, bill. And I mean, to be honest, after five minutes, I was done. I was, I was exhausted, but it, it definitely planted a seed and gave me a, yeah, gave me hope. Absolutely. So the idea was to use your left foot to replace the things your left hand would have been doing snare drum, bass drum, maybe, um, what, what yeah. did you, you had several pedals over there. Was each one a different instrument? Yes. And, uh, you know, what I call a bass kit is basically, you know, uh, left foot, uh, kick, left foot snare, left foot Tom, uh, you know, those three pedals coming down, uh, on the floor. Um, and then play opposites with my right hand. So, you know, I could uh, I could pretty much uh, uh, play a lot of what I played before. And then the cool thing about electronics is I could move stuff around. So for different songs, I would literally, you know, um, move sound sources around. Like sometimes I'd put a kick drum on my right hand, and that was pretty handy. You know, just being able to do stuff um right hand right foot right hand left foot and be able to kind of move it around and try not necessarily thinking too much about um conventional uh uh positions or conventional mm -hmm. drumming mm -hmm. so it, it it really gave me the opportunity to develop new sort of neural pathways in my brain and be able to express myself in a way that really I'd never been able to do before that's fascinating. And uh, I presume new op new avenues, new rhythms, new things came up that you could do that you wouldn't do on a normal kid. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, more recently, I've gone back to uh, playing more acoustic drums. It, it was nice during, uh, during lockdown to kind of get back to what inspired me in the first place. So, mm. you know, I've basically got the, 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 the Ferrari in the corner, and then I've got I've got my acoustic kit uh, mm -hmm. set up. So um, what I've found is that uh, is that now I can I can play things on an acoustic kit that I could never play. You know, when I had two arms playing an acoustic kit, simply simply because I'm just kind of rethinking, um, you know, what it means to play drums. Excellent, and that's opened new creative avenues and opportunities in itself. Yes, for sure. For sure. Now, the, the technology was pretty nascent back then. I mean, it's come a long way. Has it not? Uh, yes. The, the, first, uh, the first sort of brain or unit or drum uh, producing sort of unit that I or sound producing unit that I got was actually custom made. Um, and, then, uh, and then I quickly moved on to uh, Simmons. Simmons drums were around in those days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was only an SDS five, which was kind of like a, a um, it's like a tone generator, um, almost like a synthesizer, an analog synthesizer. But it got the point across, and then they started developing SDS seven, which was a combination of uh, real drum samples and analog circuitry. And over the years, it's just come on, you know. Like even further, um, I mean, these days, you know, I'm using software-based, um, you know, equipment. Um, I run it on my laptop. I'm able to store all my sounds and create um, dynamic curves using the software. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the, the look of the kit physically hasn't changed uh, uh, a whole lot. I mean, the, the general idea is the same, um, but, uh, but the, 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 the technology, the electronics have definitely, definitely come a long, long way. That's where I was going with that. Um, you use software, you said, not really the internal module sales. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm able to customize uh, sounds whichever way I want. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty advanced system. Um, and I'm, I'm just happy that, uh, that I've been able to, uh, you know, to do this in, in, in such an advanced sort of way. Mm -hmm. How about symbols? You still use natural symbols exclusively or? Yes. Um, I've, I've found, uh, you know, symbols, real symbols. Um, it, it gives you the opportunity for this uh, infinite dynamic. And as, as we both know, you, you, you can hit drums and symbols in, in, in ways that create inf an infinite array of sounds. So the one thing I really didn't want to give up was the, the, the real symbols. Uh, it, was, it was important to be able to express myself and, and, and add the subtleties, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely, yes. I, I have some experience with software and symbols, being a symbol guy. Um, and there's a spot where symbols break, I call it, where they open up. You know, yes. they're, they're, all of a sudden you hear the whole fullness of the symbol. It's very hard to deal with electronically. It is. It is. It is. It's uh, yeah. It's a very complicated uh, array of samples. If you want to create symbols that sound or symbol sounds that are natural, mm. whereas you know, for for live, it, it's great because you know I still I've still got the volume from the symbols to compete with you know extremely loud guitars. Mm. Um, so you know I've I've been using the Zildjian's now for. Uh, many decades the recordings you do are most of the sounds good to go when you're finished with the session or is a lot of that done in post or how does that all work out a lot of that's done in post um it really depends on the song um and like i say you know these sounds have evolved over many years um so you know, I've, I've kind of I've got sounds that I really like, uh, but uh, every record we do, they seem to evolve in in, in different ways. Um, you know, they're tending to sound uh, less contrived these days, and uh, and and a bit more a bit more you know sort of what I would consider to be you know real drum sounds. So I will look at that sort of as Rick Allen. 2.0 right <laughs> started off as as rick allen then you were very successful then you had this horrible thing happen you turned it into a much of a positive thing has opened new avenues for you pretty soon you were back recording and touring with some of the biggest hits ever and um how long did it take for you to figure out yeah this can work i can do, be very successful with this approach um interesting uh, question because um the information was in my head. I think all I needed to do was really just rechannel that information. And I found that my right hand, left foot, right foot took on some of the essence of my left arm. And I think that was that was kind of a natural 
phenomena uh, that happened in my brain. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, when I played uh, soccer as a kid, I was always very right footed. But then when I came out of hospital and I finally started running around and kicking a, a, a football around, I realized that I could kick with my left foot way better than I used to be able to. So something happened um, and it was less of a learning curve and more of a natural sort of phenomena. And then over time, the learning curve took over and, um, you know, I just keep developing on a theme, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, these are wonderful answers and I appreciate your candor in all of this. No problem. Um, Moving to Rick Allen 3.0, <laughs> when, when did you uh, become, I know it was always in your head, but at some point you became serious about being uh, a, an artist. Uh, what would you call it, a graphic artist, a painter? Uh, how do you distinguish that from a musical artist? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I guess I guess some people would call it fine art. Um, you know, I... Uh, never been formally trained or anything like that but uh but i i picked up a few techniques that really really helped me um just express myself you know in a, in a way that i'd never done before um so it 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 took a while and there was a certain amount of fear around showing my art to other people but uh my wife really uh, persuaded me she said you got to show this stuff so i uh one of my first legends pieces was actually steve clark our uh, our original guitar player and uh i sent a picture of it to my mom and uh she sent it to steve's mom and steve's mom loved it and that was really uh a huge boost in confidence to continue uh painting so mm -hmm. uh here I am, you know. What you say you had no formal training as a painter. Did you have formal training as a drummer? I did. I actually worked with a guy called Kenny Slade. Uh, he he was, uh, you know, in the local sort of area in Sheffield and had uh, played with Joe Cocker on many occasions and actually recorded with Joe Cocker. So he he was good. He got me, he got me reading and uh, that was a, that was a huge step forward because, mm -hmm. you know, when, when I first suggested drum kit, my parents, they really didn't, they said, we can't afford a drum kit. And then about a week later, they were like, yeah, you know, if you do some local jobs and, you know, help around the house, then maybe we could get a drum kit on layaway. And uh, that's, that's exactly what they did. So the main thing was they said, you've got to go for lessons because we don't want to get a drum kit and then you lose interest. And uh, I went for lessons with Kenny. And then uh, sure enough, when I got my, uh, my blue sparkle kit on, on layaway, I, uh, I was able to, uh, to play. I love stories like that. Humble beginnings, uh, working class background, hard work, personal sacrifice, dedication. I mean, you're, you're a, I can see the tie-in from when you were a child to becoming a humanitarian later on. Can I punch up your uh, some some um, some of your paintings to look at? Yeah, of course. Pull it up full screen. Uh, yeah, that 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 was one of the original ones using light art. Uh, so long exposure photography um, and using uh, light sticks um, to create imagery. I was going to ask um, you about the medium here. Um, 
looking at this angel and icons. This is a series I see, and there's some recurring themes here, the American flag, the British flag, um, and um, a hand, too. And I notice it's your left hand. Uh, well, um, there was there was a time was when... Your, I'm sorry, that's your right hand. Yeah, there was a there was a time when uh, you know th there was a chance that I was going to lose my right arm as well uh, because of infection, and I'd broken my right arm really badly. So uh, the idea of the hand is is really uh, gratitude uh, for the fact that I still I still have the one. Uh, that I can use to express myself either musically or artistically or just in my everyday sort of uh, life experience. Mm -hmm. So th that that's really paying homage to, to my right arm and, and, and how it's brought me this far. Wow. That's wonderful. How about the, uh, the fascination with flag imagery? Flag imagery is really life experience. My experience growing up in England, um, you know, my experience going to London, going to Buckingham Palace, all that, all that kind of stuff. All the all the touristy stuff that I that, that I did, you know, because you know I lived I lived further north. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't get to London that that often, so when I did, it was uh, it, it was cool to take in all that sort of uh, that imagery. And flags, I love flags because, uh, you know, I can soften flags uh, using hearts or peace signs or, you know, whatever other sort of ideas come to, come to mind. Um, so I, I love playing around with, uh, with flags. And then, of course, you know, when I first came to America in 1980, then I got the first-hand experience of America as opposed to through, you know, TV shows. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, so then that was a new chapter. And, uh, and again, you know, all life experience, all things that I'd experienced, uh, you know, being in England and then eventually coming to America and then having the freedom to travel the world. Now, I noticed you have a series of artists as well. Here's Janice in a um, sort of a, a, a Warhol-ish kind of a theme. Who were some of your mentors as as an artist? Um, I loved how Salvador Dali, uh, how his imagery changed as you stood, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a different distance from the piece. So if you stood up close to uh, to one of his pieces, um, it would reveal one thing and then when you stood back or you squint your eyes it would reveal another a lot of these uh, images particularly the legends um if you look close you'll realize that they're just um uh geometric shapes um and and very posterized um but then when you stand back uh your mind fills in the blanks and that's that's one of the one, one of the things that i really love that's one of the things i really love about that particular technique mm -hmm. and what were you going for with charlie watts behind you there um that's uh that's really charlie looking very content mm -hmm. and being from you know the earthly plane into the continuation of his journey 
um, and, and, and that was the that was the image that came up. That was the idea that came up uh, when I started uh, working on that piece. Now, you're on a tour with Wentworth Galleries, right? That's right. And uh, tell me about that. What's the focus of that? Focus of that is really, you know, um, I'm not on tour with the band. So it's a great opportunity for me to, um, you know, to to take in all of the galleries. You know, I've been in uh, Philly. I've been in New Jersey. I've been in, 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 well, you know, Atlanta coming up. I've been in Florida. So... There are many, many galleries that I can uh, that I can visit that are all run by uh, Wentworth Gallery. Mm-hmm. And is there a charitable uh, aspect to this as well? Always, I inspire our uh, uh, wounded warriors, our vets, um, and they inspire me. You know, just just what they've been through, and um, you know, it, it's um, yeah, the similarity. You know, even though I didn't go through combat trauma, uh, I went through trauma all the same. And a lot of us are traumatized in one way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. uh, I I realized some of the similarities, some of the behavioral stuff, um, particularly surrounding PTSD and traumatic brain injury. So um, it, uh, it it seemed very natural for me to want to help our uh, our uh, our vets, our uh, you know our wounded warriors. And when you say our, you mean the world in general, or specific countries, or? Well, I live here. I live here in the states. I I settled here in ninety one, so I tend to be the kind of person that I. You know, I see things in front of me and and I want to help uh, on a more sort of local level. Um, and, and that's exactly what I've uh, what I've been able to do. And that's what the art has been able to do for me also. Yet another amazing aspect of your character. Um, cool. What is the Raven Drum Foundation? Uh, Raven Drum Foundation, myself and my wife, we set it up in 2001, 2002. Um, we were working with many different parts of the population, incarcerated youth, uh, women's shelters, uh, cancer survivors. Um, and then in 2006, I went to Walter Reed Army Medical Center in the D.C. area, and I saw the level of suffering with, uh, with our warriors. So I got on the phone with my wife after that, and I said, you know, I'd really like to refocus our attention on uh, on our warriors and um and, and that's really when uh, when we started to uh, turn our sights more on you know the suffering that was going on here uh at home you know in the states mm-hmm. and project resiliency is that through the war- wounded warriors um that's um that was um that was a program we set up that originally uh focused on our wounded warriors after that visit to uh, Walter Reed. And now, you know, people are so familiar with Raven Drum. It's, it's, it's all under the same uh, umbrella, as it mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. As well as One Hand Drum Company? What is that? Uh, I think it's a way for us to, to communicate, you know. It, uh, you know, it, uh, it obviously uh, describes me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> 
one in a field of one on that. By the way, this is a tangential thing, but I went through a period where for a couple of years, I took it upon myself to ask everyone I interacted with one question. And this was all walks of life, all income, races, everything. And the question was, can you name a drummer, living or dead? And uh, your name came up more than anyone's. Oh, wow. Oh, that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I would have thought uh, John Bonham would have uh, would have come up um you know i'm very fortunate to know jason um and i keep in, in touch with him on a regular basis um i think john uh continues to inspire me you mm -hmm. know um you know for, for for me that's 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 probably you know probably the most famous drummer in, in my mind well i think your work subsequent to the drums has a lot to do with that people recognize and admire you for all these other things you know it's been a great vehicle um you know just me just showing up and 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 talking about my story um it's a great deal because you know because people really respond to it and and i think they trust me and they feel as though they know me simply because i've been in you know in the limelight, as it were. Remarkable. Just remarkable. Um, I, I have so many elements of things I can ask you about. Now, you've been off for the last couple of years based on uh, the pandemic. And yeah. um, what's coming up? Is there a tour in 2022? Let's hope so. Uh, you know, we, we keep postponing and kind of superimposing uh basically the same tour you know on 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 the next year so hopefully uh 2022 will be the year that we actually get out there now let's reflect uh or you will ask you to reflect for a moment on today's music industry you've seen it change dramatically i mean you you guys predated the whole digital revolution and the distribution of music changing and, and the whole YouTube generation and all. What, what are your thoughts on, on the industry itself? I mean, I don't think anybody's ever going to sell the amount of albums you guys did uh, again. No, I mean, at a certain point, I, I thought it was, it was kind of strange that people thought that just because it was on the internet, it was free. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we put a lot of time, effort, and uh, and financial resource into uh, creating, you know, uh, music. And uh, it, for me, it was quite disappointing that, that, that people felt as though, you know, because it was on the internet, it was free, or because, you know, there was somebody distributing uh, music that wasn't their own. You know, I equate it to walking into a, 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 an art gallery uh, taking, you know, taking one of the pieces off the wall and walking out the door with it. Um, it, it you're, you're probably not going to get away with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nor should whereas, Yeah, whereas people tend to tend to see music as, as kind of throwaway, which is very disappointing. Uh, music has a, a magical power. Um, and I, I, well, not just a power, uh, music has magical powers. Um, you know, uh, people's people's life experience is locked up in, you know, in music. You know, when they hear a song, it takes them back to a moment in time when maybe it was their first time doing something 
not always something they should have been doing, but uh, <laughs> but but that's the one fantastic thing about music is you know you listen to something and it takes you back, it takes you to a to a memory uh, way back, and uh, it's almost like you're in it, you know. And and I think that's the thing that people forget about music is the the magic of it. It touches their lives in ways we don't really understand. Yes, for sure. I had a prof said once, you can't not hear music. <laughs> it goes straight to your point. soul, you know. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, well-played violin or viola or, you know, uh, cello, well-played piano, uh, a gospel choir. Why is it that every time I hear that, I cry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something, there's something just magical about it. That's it, the magic. Uh, speaking of magic, it must have been a magical moment to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For for sure. Um, Tell me about that experience. Yeah, I mean, it had been on the cards for uh, for for many years. I I think we'd been uh, nominated, but I I think I think the thing the thing that really hit us was the 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 sheer volume of fan vote. Uh, to the point where it was the largest fan vote in the history of uh, the Hall of Fame. Um, we always felt that we didn't get enough love from the industry uh, for whatever reason. But then standing on that stage and seeing rock and roll royalty sitting there in front of us and, and getting a standing ovation, um, that, that to me was, uh, was a huge gift. Um, that coupled with the uh, the largest fan vote, um, it 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 really made me realize that it was such a big deal. Oh, it's a very big deal, and and all you have to do to get in there is come up with a few albums, like <laughs> that one, or that one, <laughs> or that one, and and sell tens of millions of records and tour constantly around the world and and impress and 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 delight millions of fans. Uh, what are you most proud of of your career so far? And notice I said so far because you're still you're still cooking at it. No, we, we are. We're still you know we're, we're still pushing out. Uh, we still keep coming up with new music, and uh, I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that I can do this at this level and uh, you know maintain my sanity and um and and support my family uh it's been such a a beautiful gift uh that uh that our fans have given us and uh you know it's it's this wonderful two-way street you know where we produce this music and people show appreciation and uh i i think i think i think that's very special well, I think you're very special. Rick Allen, the drummer, the musician, and they're not always the same thing, <laughs> right? Uh, I like I like musicians who happen to be drummers, as so many other drummers have said. And you certainly qualify for that. So the, the musician, the drummer, the, the uh, band member, the father, the husband, the person who reinvents himself continuously, who's faced all kinds of uh, amazing challenges and walked through them, bravely uh who uh, humanitarian i mean i just uh the accolades don't stop rock and roll hall of famer that's fantastic man that's very kind of you it's it's my honor to have spent some time with you rick cool man i look forward to see you again okay thank you sir take care hey have a good day